Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that has been protected from competition by Qatar Airways. I'm Scott Phillips. He is Andrew Page. Mr. Page, good morning. Good morning, mate. It's um, it's great to have friends in high places, isn't I, it? I hear that Qatar Airways is not allowed to launch a competitive strawman. I, I'm told that's the uh, the most recent decision made by the Albanese government. Is that is that correct? It made it. It's in the national interest. In the national. It's interest. In the national interest. Yep. But if they if they did launch a competitor, though, what what sort of what sort of business would it be? It's, I'm just trying, to, <laughs> trying to think of what they how they might describe it. Well, you know, um, it'd probably be private. It'd probably be a club of some sort. Makes sense. Probably yeah, be yeah. related to investment. Okay, yeah. so private. It'd be a club at investment. Would it be offered in in, in physical form, or, or would it be maybe online? A- Sorry, online, I forgot online. That. Okay, yes, good, you're good. right. Just, just Thank checking. you for the reminder. Yeah. Oh man, we are stretching the patience of our listeners, uh, mate. We uh, <laughs> we don't, don't rope me into this dad joke. <laughs> oh, come I'm on. just forced to play along. Oh rubbish, rubbish. If I didn't do it, you'd be disappointed, uh, mate. Uh, how's your week been? Oh, I was just saying to you off air, it's just so busy. The you know the Isn't it crazy uh, busy? <laughs> the drinking from the fire hose yeah. of, of you know, earning season. So yeah, um, it's great. I mean, we're going to go from feast to famine. Very, <laughs> it's the last day of August. So companies who yeah. who have the end of the financial year or half year in some cases at, mm. at June thirty. This is it. You've got to release your results by today yeah. uh, as we're recording on the 31st of, of August. So it's going to get very quiet very quickly, uh, which I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to. We say that. Give us a week and a half. You're like, oh, what do we do now? I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. it's a really, I know we said this every earnings season, but it's really weird. It's almost kind of, you know, just in life, you get used to a certain pace of things, right? And so you, you, for the first two weeks, you're like, oh my God, I can't keep up. But in the earnings season, you're right. Okay, I've got this. I've got the cadence. I, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping up. This is good. And then it stops like, where have you gone, fellas? Fellas, it's, it's one of those kind of you know, it's one of those experiences where it just yeah, you're right. It's, it's absolutely feast to famine and, and back again. Um, I, have, we are, um, I, I think I've got a better headspace this time round. Oh, taken tell me why. God knows how many years. Just because I feel there is, particularly when you're in the industry, there is a expectation that results come out and what's your take? Mm. You know, not not necessarily yeah, yeah. even if it's for you know, quote unquote clients or whatever, but for yourself, you know, I was like, oh, I need, I need an opinion on this and I need to know quickly. And oh, look, the market's moved 10%. Gosh, there's been, we'll talk about this too. There's mm-hmm. been some huge movements. Yes. And yes. you feel as though you, you must read, digest, you know, synthesize and act mm. very quickly. And the, the observation really is, is that you just can't do it that quickly. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the reaction is usually very yes, swift exactly. and sudden. Right. So you, you, you can't do it. So I've, I've been much more zen about it, which is like, eh, I'll get to that. Okay. Oh, you, you scan it, you see the oh, markets and whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll get to it. It's already too late in yeah. so many ways, you know? So it's like, what's the rush? Mm. Um, <clears throat> in, in most cases, unless there's some glaring, you know, thesis busting change that, that just was completely off the radar. It's like, eh, I, it, a little bit better, a little bit worse than I was expecting. There's nothing. To, there's nothing to do, right? Um, in in most cases, and I think that's whenever this is true in life as it is in investing, is that whenever you're making a rushed or a forced decision, it's usually a bad decision. And so I've I've really just sort of taken the attitude of, huh, I'll get to that, and I'll I'll ponder it, and I'll make a much more deliberate. I'll deliberate much more heavily on it, and hopefully make a much better decision mm. if there is a decision to be made at all. And I don't. I think for the most part there isn't. 
Yeah, I think that's right. And yet, the the well, let's just get into that, mate. We'll come back to some of the bigger macro things. But while we're while we're here, the um, I said I know I've said before on the podcast that the last uh, we must be getting up to three years, maybe it's even more. The COVID years are kind of just a blur now. I, I don't know how long ago these things happened. Um, we, you know, markets always responded to to events and to news, and and they should right to the extent there are different you know realities uh, or different expectations of businesses you want to have a different perspective but it's <laughs> a big but um the size and swiftness of the move as you're referring to have been really really significant and i, and I want to say yeah. it's i think mate it's only about four or five years old uh, again we've been doing the podcast for a while so maybe it's longer than i remember but it's definitely not what well unless unless we're all both got rose-colored glasses on which is also possible i just possible. i have no no recollection whatsoever of things being this, um, what's the word? Um, jittery. Jittery. Jittery is probably the right word, actually. Yeah the, 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 yeah, the the very sharp. And by the way, day two, you often have a lot of bounce back. And so you've yes. got this really weird thing. Yes. Day one, whoop, shares down 20, 25%. Day two, shares up 10%. And you kind of- Or think, vice versa. Right? And there is no- yeah. uh, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just- uh, There is absolutely no justification for those two movements together. You might say the market's now more efficient. It realizes bad stuff more quickly. It priced it in more quickly. Therefore, we get to where we want to, we were going to be. More, if, if it just fell and stayed there, you'd say, well, okay, maybe that's the market just getting better and quicker and computers and algorithms and AI and God knows what else. But then when it bounces back that 10 or 15%, that's kind of like the whole, you know, morning after you go, oh my God, what did I do yesterday? Oh, I better mm. buy those shares back. I'm an idiot. You know, the, mm. the, the kind of morning after regret stuff, it, it, it is, mm. I don't know, mate, I it's, I, I always want to be careful about taking a few examples and drawing direct correlations or, or, or you know, trying to explain it things in absolute terms. But it, I don't know what, other, what else we say other than, you know, that jitteriness is more significant than it used to be. And again, as you've said lots of times when I get frustrated by things like this, hey, who cares? You take advantage of it if it happens. So th- there's also that, right? Does it matter in the long term? Of course not. But uh, a bit like shorts, we're not going to go into that. Um, what what I want to tell our listeners is just just be careful about how you respond to the market, right? When the shares fall, we saw some big ones. It was twenty odd percent, thirty odd percent, a couple of times. The earnings season, I can think of of, of really big companies, uh, and you kind of look at that and go. All right, well, as an investor, you go, oh my God, the market must know something. I don't know. I better do something about that. And that's totally understandable because if people listen to this, they have day jobs that aren't what you and I do, mate, which is do this for a quid. You, you see company, you know, ABC down, and you go, oh my God, I guess I better, you know, obviously the market knows something I don't. So, you know, I, I better follow the herd. It's a really, really supernatural instinct. Mm. Uh, and I just, maybe, maybe I'm just calling it out because I want our listeners to just remember that the you know look at both those yes the big falls or the big rises and then the next day the big you know corrections in either direction a correction or an upreaction as you know I like to say Andrew uh, we called that term many many years ago uh, the reverse of a of a correction uh, it just sounds it sounds wrong but yes I don't I, I do like it I can't understand why Andrew I'm not sure what you're thinking about uh, but uh, yeah I mean you know that just just remember that when the market does that sort of stuff it's as clueless or more clueless in all probability because it's trying to make stupid split second decisions. Yeah. rather than actually thinking through the, the investment cases. And I think a big part of the mistake is to assume that there are rational, well-informed actors mm. behind these moves. Yep. I mentioned to you off air, so we part of what we do at Strawman is we, we do a lot of CEO interviews in the small mm. cap space. Mm. And so we've formed up a bit of a network over the years. And in, in the wake of the results, I had, actually had a couple of CEOs call me up because we've spoken to them before. 
And they and they, I guess they feel as though, well, you know, hopefully there's a bit of a finger on the pulse here with what's happening at the club in quote unquote, and I hate the term, retail land. <laughs> and it's just like, um, what's the feedback been like? Because yeah. we were sort of drafting our numbers together. <laughs> All smiles around the boardroom table thinking, yeah, that's right. oh, the market's going to look That's right. He's going to love this. This is amazing. This. How lucky are we oh, to have these numbers? Yeah, that's right. It's so hard to sit on this news and We're then you release it to the ASX, <laughs> you know, and, oh, this is a, you know, last update of this, but gosh, it came in better than we expected. Mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. business, right? There's, there's nothing yeah. nefarious here. Yeah. It's like, oh, when we think this is going to happen. Oh, wow. You know, the, the bean counters have put the numbers and everything together and mm. wow, things are going good. Orders are coming in and here you go, Mr. Market. Um, here's our results. I, I know that we said that we were going to do this. Look, we, we did even better. And oh, by the way, mm. um, there's some really solid momentum in the first month and a half of, of this current financial year. We're, we're really confident things have never looked better. And shares down 8%. <laughs> And you're like, what? What's can going I, on here? Can, can I say, I, mean, I, I think CEOs pay way too much attention to share prices anyway, but I've got to say, yeah. when you when you put your heart and soul, blood, sweat and tears for six months or 12 months into a, in a, in a business, and you're like, I feel so good about what we've achieved. Uh, this is this is amazing. We, we you know we should be really proud of ourselves, guys. Uh, you know the market will like it, which is nice. And who cares about the share price? But it's, you know we get a nice pop, and that'll be lovely. And you know we're on we're on the right path. And you know again, I, I will say, CEO should stop just worrying about the share price entirely. Other than if you're raising capital, and we'll talk about that if we want to. But you kind of start with that, and you think, and then the market comes out with that apes. I was like, what do you? bastards want what do you people want from me you know literally what do you want from me this is a thankless task i don't even know why i'm doing this you know it, it must be a really difficult thing for for a lot of ceos a lot of boards a lot of management teams to you know slug your guts out and then have the market go yeah or even worse no nah, that that's not good we don't, don't like that, that. don't we, like we, that we think you're we think you're worse than you were a day ago it's it must be it must be a brutal thing to have to try and kind of get your head around uh it, it is i mean you're actually absolutely right though in terms of i think it's always a bit of an orange flag leaders in businesses who are too hyper aware of the share price. My re- yeah. my response is usually like, I wish I, I wish I knew, I don't know. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's, I'm surprised as, as you are, yeah. but do you need to raise capital? Like, no, it's like, well, who cares? And, and, and <laughs> what's the, and like, in fact, if, mm-hmm. if you want to be sensible about it, isn't, isn't that the perfect setup mm-hmm. where your business has, is, demonstrated better results than you thought it was possible of. The outlook is stronger than you thought and the share price is down like, what do you want? You know, I I do cut them some slack though, because uh, as much as, so I I would love to imagine that if you put me, parachuted me into the the top job of of one of these companies Mm. and I'd be like, well, I'm not going to care. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm too, uh, what's the word for it? You know, I'm, I am not going to muddy myself with with worrying about what the stupid market is going to do. But you you do have to remember that you know every second day some idiot broker or analyst or substantial investor is calling you up and saying, Scott, what's going on with the show? I don't know. I don't care. Well, you should care. Like, okay, you know. So you you can imagine that there's a lot of pressure on them, and and they, oh, God, they sort yeah. of. I mean, fund managers with you know, three month price targets who are saying. I own your shares. If you can't show me you're going to fix it, I'm selling your shares. I mean, you know, mm. and then and then you know, a board of directors who, again, for their own reasons or otherwise, care about the share price because they want to be popular or successful or something else. I mean, the the conflicted incentives here. And I got just a quick tangent. This is why you want to own businesses if you can, 
not excess, not um, exclusively. There are plenty of businesses who aren't this, but your own businesses who have founder CEOs or who have really large single shareholders who have a track record of caring more about the business and about you know mm-hmm. the long term mm-hmm. returns in the company because. You know, we've said many times, Buffett doesn't take analyst calls, right? It's like, you, you, yes. know, the, you know the share price, sell the shares, I don't care. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm busy here, guys. Yeah. And, and yeah. you've got the luxury of doing that because frankly, he's Warren Buffett. He owns enough of the stock and, and he, you know, we talk about you know, Tesla fanboys and Apple fanboys, and that's true. The Berkshire faithful are, are, are pretty dyed in the wall, right? Yeah, Buffett Buffett could ask him to jump off a cliff because it was a good Oh, it's good. a religion. A whole Absolutely. lot of people would do it, right? So yeah. so yeah. Let's, be, let's be clear about that. But that the benefit of that, of generating, of curating that sort of shareholder base, that sort of culture yep. is you get to say, dude, I don't care. If you don't like yep. it, fine. Go and do something yep. else. Sell the, sell the shares. And and more companies, frankly, particularly those. And I, I'm, you know, we blame the CEOs a lot. I, I, I said I'm not for profit board, right? So it's not exactly a, a company board, but um, di- directors have to be more accountable. We have to, we have to put the, the torch on them as much as anything, right? Because they should either stop saying to the CEO, fix the share price, or back the CEO all the way in and say, dude, I know you're getting pr- pressure from the fund managers. If you've got the strategy right, tell them to go jump. Now they don't, and they won't because, well, for many different reasons of incentives and, and popularity and everything else. Um, but when we say the CEO this or the CEO that, and we're right to do that, that is that is the person at the top of the corporate management tree. We just have to remember there's a layer above, and those people also have responsibility uh, for the, the culture of the management team and the way they deal with with share prices as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, I don't think we put enough emphasis on boards actually as investors. Um, they are our shareholder representatives. Um, so yes, 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 and they—they're the CEO's boss, right? They're the mm-hmm. ones who ultimately call the shots. Um, yeah. So I—I I, I think I get it in the context of of a couple of, particularly in small cap land where the sell-off has been brutal in the yeah. last 12 yeah. to 18 months. Yeah, that's right. And as, as I've mentioned before, I think a lot of it was well-deserved, but again, plenty of babies out with the bathwater yes. there. And so I think a, a few of these boards and management teams are kind of going, okay, well that, you know, the market's mm. going to do it. You wait till they, you wait till they see what we've been up to, you know, <laughs> focus on the business, not on the ship. Well, yeah. here's the business, How right? That? Yeah, that's right. And so, Oh, and we're down even more. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that's weird. But but the, the other comment, so I, I sort of make for whatever it's worth is, um, A, you know, I don't know either and B, who cares? C, I think you get the shareholders you deserve. Yeah, right. So overly promotional CEOs <laughs> who are out there, mm. pumping is too strong a word, but I'm going to go with it. Pumping the price, you know, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and everything's brilliant. And, and it's sort of, I get the incentive to do that. There's a strong incentive to yep. do that. And yep. it's not necessarily a nefarious um, action if you're, you're just, you know, you're passionate about your business. Yep. You, 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 you see exciting things. You want to tell the world what, what you can do and what you're achieving and, and the rest of it. Yep. The trouble is, is you make all these promises where you just, you leave yourself very little wiggle room for the inevitable, you know, curveball that life throws at you. Now, anyone who's ever run a business knows that that's just how it goes, right? Like, oh, I didn't expect that. And, oh, that's unusual. And, you know, this is happening and now that's happening. Yep. And it just, yep. it's, it, and you attract what I think you'd, you'd call the hot money. Whereas those that are very, like you often said, like, just don't give. Uh, yeah. outlooks you know or or just say this is what we're going to do i don't know I, I am going to be so boring as to i i will get the patient capital i will get the 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 ones that get it and so maybe i avoid a nice little spike over a three-month period or whatever mm. but at the this is all oh, by the way this is also true of fund managers um 
is that when things get tough, not if, but when things get tough, you've got a very supportive shareholder base there as well. Right. In fact, I know firsthand from a, a, a few invest um, fund managers that I know is that, you know, they, particularly those that focus on small caps, obviously they, they didn't post the best numbers um, in the last financial year. But, and this is true of, I'll, I'll give the Motley Fool guys a, a shout out, the Lake House guys, right, mm-hmm. as well. It's like there wasn't a, there wasn't a flood of redemptions because yes, what, what these guys did, Donnie and co at, at, at Lake House and, and others elsewhere, when times were good, they said, well, we're really happy to report these numbers. But by the way, it's not always going to be like this. Mm. And, and they, were, they were very level headed. And, and again, you could imagine when things are running hot, say, oh, we've just posted a 30% gain and look what we're going to do. And this <laughs> is the, right. you, you, you're going to get the hot money that the mm. second, the second that things look bad, they will fair weather friends, they are out the door. And so it's, it's all, what am I saying? All of this is very understandable from a, from a human perspective, but it takes real discipline. And I think it's a, to, it takes real discipline to be able to be consistent, almost boring in your messaging. But I think it pays dividends over the long term. Mm. And, and I, for one, see it as a, an incredibly big tick when you're doing your due diligence on a company. And you do, to your point, find that management team that's got serious skin in the game who, who doesn't muddy themselves with the short-term um, uh, uh, predictions and, and the rest of it, very much focused on long-term wealth creation and return on invested capital and capital management and all of these kinds of things. It's just such a, it's not a, no, there's no guarantees in this game, but they're very strong signals, I, I think. And you tend to see these, these companies uh, having delivered pretty well for their shareholders over the long term, even though they go out of favor for, for long periods of a time, at a time. I think that's right, man. I wanted to share a little bit. Um, so I'm an Amazon shareholder. We all know that. Uh, but I wanted to, um, uh, speaking of long-term, it just it reminded me, Jeff Bezos has written some great shareholder letters. Uh, there are some you, oh, should, always, some you should always Google read. Google them. Um, Buffett, yep. Buffett's, Bezos's. Um, I'm sure there's others out there who, who write great great stories. There's lots, yeah. Um, but here's the, here's. I just want to, um, it's long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um Okay, I'm just going to read separate sections of this just for our, our listeners' edification. Quote, we believe that a fundamental measure of our success will be the shareholder value we create over the long term. Uh, I'm moving on now in quote, new quote. Um, because of our emphasis on the long term, we may make decisions and weigh trade-offs differently than some companies. Accordingly, we want to share with you our, fin- our fundamental management and decision-making approach so that you, our shareholders, may confirm that it's consistent with your investment philosophy, end quote. In other words, he's looking for the shareholders he wants. Yep. I'm just going to quickly, the, the bullet yep. points here. Love so the bold, the bold section says, we will continue to focus relentlessly on our customers, um, which is a lesson in itself. Um, quote, we will continue to make investment decisions in the light of long-term market leadership considerations, rather than short-term profitability considerations or short-term Wall Street reactions. We will continue to measure our programs and the effectiveness of our investments analytically. Uh, we will make bold rather than timid investment decisions where we see a sufficient probability of gaining market leadership advantages. When forced to choose between optimizing the appearance of our accounting and maximizing the present value of cash flows, we'll take the cash flows. We'll work hard, spend wisely, maintain our lean culture. We'll balance our focus on growth with emphasis on long-term profitability and capital management. Uh, they finish, by the way, with this. We aren't so bold as to claim that the above is the right investment philosophy, but it's ours. And we would be remiss if we weren't clear in the approach we have taken. 
and will continue to take, end quote. So it's a, it's a selective quote from, from that letter. Love it. But it really is, you know, and look, again, if, if Amazon went broke in 2000 or had to raise capital, maybe Bezos would have had to pivot. Maybe, you know, the, the best intentions get washed away with, with circumstance, right? But it is a really, really strong reminder of what the best businesses tend to do and focus on and be. I got to say, mate, I... I am always really impressed. You and I have been doing this for a long time. I'm really impressed when relatively young people who are business people, not capital allocators by trade, get that early on. Yeah. And I don't know what I don't know what counsel he had. Maybe he's just a genius. Maybe he had a great uh, mentor or someone from this area who said, "Do this. Is what you need to do." Um, it's very Buffett esque. Uh, but these kind of things, you can't. I just and again, it's not a um, yeah to have this maturity and this insight so early. Uh, a lot of people come to it late, right? And I, I've used the example for an apologies to religious people out there, but you know, uh, you know, imagine being in a religion and being a, a priest or a pastor or something, and realizing thirty-five years in, oh, I don't believe this anymore. Now, what do I do? Yeah, you know, you've kind of you kind of followed this trail, and you're like, now how do I how do I sort of regroup to have this so early and say this is the way I'm going to try and run the business, and then do it for twenty-five plus years? Um, really, just just really really impressive. Uh, yeah, I love that. It actually reminded me there of another Bezos quote, which I'm going to butcher, which is something like, <laughs> those who don't continuously change their mind vastly underestimate the complexity of the world we live in. Oh, nice. Uh, That's a good quote. Some, something like that, which is, again, it's just to that point of, of sort of growth and, yes. you know, yes. he, he sort of cottoned on to some of these concepts early. You mentioned, another thing I was going to say, you mentioned that there's the Buffetts, there's the Bezos. There's, there's a bunch of really great investors, fund managers, capital allocators, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. out there that, that have got a lot of good writing out there in the, in the public yeah. domain. And the, the thing that I notice is everyone's got their own sort of style mm-hmm. about them, but the core principles pretty much are the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they really Bezos are. Bezos and Buffett are very different yeah. individuals. Yeah, that's right. Amazon and Berkshire are very yes. different yes. companies. Yes. But yet, when you distill it down, yes. they're kind of saying the same thing, mm-hmm. right? One's one's more involved in high tech, obviously, but yeah, it's yeah. still. I mean, it's it's just get rid of all it's of this highfalutin <laughs> nonsense, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, You're growing yeah. apples. I'm knitting sweaters. Yeah. I don't know, like, who's creating value for their customers? Mm-hmm, for, mm-hmm. The, for the those who create value in the way that you're. 10-year-old would understand it are yeah. going to be rewarded, yeah. right? Yeah. Those that are, are saying, oh, I'm, you know, um, is, it, is it the Sneed? What is it um, the Lorax? Have you read the Lorax at all? It's great. <laughs> you know, I have never read the Lorax, funnily enough. I oh, oh do yourself a favor. Do, uh, Dr. Do. Zeus is great. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, your kid will love it. it, it but there's great investing lessons in, in that, okay, I, would, nice. I would argue as nice, well. Nice, nice. In, in, this, in the sense that, you know, it's sort of, um, things will come along uh, all the time that sort of sound good and promise to do this and that really just don't. You know, it's like monkey JPEGs. I was like, what does this do for the world? It, just, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything, right? Yes, yes. And, and, and then there are people who come along that just change everything and create genuine value for people. And the market's not always going to get that. And the, and the value is not always going to be apparent. And this value is not always going to be reflected in any given reporting season in terms of whatever metric you're, you happen to look at. But if you get that part right, um, the rewards will come, right? And I, I think we, we, we just need to come back to basics and, and reading these, these people's thoughts, it will always center, I think, around that, about sensibly backing 
really wonderful, life-enhancing, value-creating opportunities and doing it with a very long-term lens and focus, with a very overt um, consideration of what can go wrong mm. and protection of that, just tend to they make mistakes like all of us, but they but they they tend to just win over time and then compounding kicks in and it's yep. just a thing of beauty. It really is. Mate, and everyone else, everyone else, sorry, mate. I just like, and yet, and yet here we are and it, daily sort of scratching our head, banging our heads on the wall because such and such missed earnings per share target <laughs> by 0.3% shares are down this. And, yep. you know, you're yep. watching someone jump up yep. and down on the news. Like it is, it is a, a pantomime. It is a, it is a yep. nonsense. And you think, when does the, I, this was an epiphany for me uh, a while ago now, but it's sort of like, there are no adults. There are no adults that are out there and stop <laughs> yep. imagining that yep. there is again, well-considered, well thought, thoughtful, rational actors making decisions. And mm -hmm. I can guarantee no matter how advanced we get as a species in the next, in another mm -hmm. hundred years, we'll still be jumping at shadows and we'll still be chasing rainbows and we'll still be doing all of these kinds of crazy things. Yeah. And, and frankly, long may it, endure because well, that, and that's exactly your, your your regular point which is actually for all of it. and that's why that's why this conversation is important mate not because we need to be able to rationalize what people do but because you need to know that it's irrational so you can discount it accordingly and invest appropriately and that's yep. that's the key one right because if you follow the market if you watch the market and you get dragged left and right by what's happening share price wise you end up you end up you know normally um almost almost you know imperceptibly becoming part of the game you start to think that their rules are your rules because that's the market and what people talk about on the news and all that kind of stuff and so it's like oh okay well i i guess that's important then so you start to think mm. in that term and it's completely understandable right because most people and here's, here's the other thing most people listening to this podcast and most investors aren't experts in the field of capital allocation specifically and so it's natural. If I was going to go and- <laughs> Most CEOs probably. Well, that's what, yeah, we've said that before. If I was going to go work on the factory floor, I could say, you know what? I think these people are all doing it wrong and here's how I'm going to do it instead. And it would be stupid because I should say, actually, I don't know what I'm doing here. There are people who, who are doing, been doing this for years. They probably know what's going on, right? If I'm going to be an apprentice carpenter, I'm probably not going to strike out and say, I'm going to try and work out carpentry myself. Maybe you do, or maybe you're that sort of person. And that's, frankly, that, that's Buffett-esque, right? Like, I'm going to do things myself. We're not all Buffett. Um, so I don't blame anybody for thinking well, you know, there are other people out here and they do this thing for a living and they're getting paid well and they work for fund managers, they get quoted in the fin and, and so therefore I guess I should pay attention. Um, so I think that's that's important. Mate, we're kind of, again, usual uh, dead horse that we're flogging, but I want to mention one article. Um, speaking of favorite companies, I've mentioned Berkshire, let me mention Solpat to get them both out of the way. I mentioned Amazon, I'm, I'm on fire so far today. I own all three for anyone <laughs> who wants to know. Um, Robert Milner, who, who you have met, I have met, we've had lunch with him in Omaha uh, in, in Nebraska at a Berkshire uh, Hathaway annual meeting. That's he great. was interviewed, he was actually the cover story in the uh, most recent issue of, this is not a regular reading for most people, the Australian Institute of Company Directors magazine. Uh, but why I'm mentioning it is because the article is actually on the website of the AICD for free. So Google AICD Milner, M-I-L-L-N-E-R. The top link is almost certainly going to be this interview with Robert Milner or about Robert Milner. And again, speaking of, and the reason I'm mentioning it, mate, is I wasn't going to, but you talk about sensible business people and running, doing the right thing for the long term, all that kind of stuff. This article is, I don't, I don't know, mate. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan already and I'm a shareholder already. So full disclosure on both those areas. Um, fan of both Solpats and, and Robert Milner and the work they're doing. Uh, top Barlow, the CEO, who's also a great guy. Um, but you read this article and you kind of go either A, 
this is exactly why I'm investing in this business and why you know you'll, you'll prize these shares out of my cold dead hands. The other one, though, I hope for anyone who who does read it and thinks, why am I not a shareholder yet? And you have different approaches, different objectives, and different whatevers. These guys have beaten the market for twenty plus years. Um, they are remarkably good business people. I'm not even going to say investors. I mean, they're investors in the sense they ca- they allocate the capital. I mean, their capital allocators that's their job, but they run a the business of capital allocation, if that makes sense, in a really, really thoughtful, sensible way. And they're just, they're just like common sense 101, right? This is just, it's just very, very simple. And I just, I'm reading this thing, I read it yesterday or the day before, and I'm just thinking, yeah, obviously. And and again, I, I tweeted during the week, you know, there, there, are, there are rock star CEOs and directors, right? There's the Bezos and the you know, Musk's and the Steve Jobs's and the whoever else is being followed by the cool kids. And we all get excited about the new cool thing, the new tech or the new company or the new whatever. And they can be great investments. They can also be terrible investments for what it's worth. Rob Milner is an old white bloke who's, you know, sitting in his office in, in the city and just doing his thing. And he's not, you know, he's in the AICD magazine, right? Rather than the front page of the fin. And you ask yourself, why is that? Because it's not very exciting. But mm. If you don't like money, then that's okay. Go for the excitement. If you kind of like money, I don't know. I, I, again, I don't have a chance to read it, mate. But just anyone out there who wants to know a little bit more about what sensible investing, sensible business management looks like, um, just just have a read. I, I just think it's one of those. It's a very simple read. It's not very technical. Um, it's not even not even particularly deep. It's not the only thing I'd read about Salpats if you think about investing. But start there and kind of read that and go isn't this kind of the sort of person I'd want running the company I had my money invested in? And I think for me, it was like, obviously, yes, that's that's why. You know, um, why, why do I own the shares? Because these guys with this culture at this business uh, have done a great job, by the way. You can't just talk a good game. They've, they've played a good game as well. Um, a, a remarkable, remarkable uh, result. Yep, yep. And um, gosh, they go through massive periods of um, disinterest from the market. Yes, and- yeah, absolutely. Can we talk – actually, this might be a good segue. Go there's, there's, I'll, I'll put – I don't own shares, um, regrettably. That might change in the future. <laughs> um, there's a company called ResMed, mm. and it's, it's actually dual-listed here and, and in, the, in the US. And these guys make um, reverse pressure sleep apnea mm-hmm. machines on CPAP. I forget the acronym. Positive airway pressure. Oh, thank you, thank you for saving me there. (laughs) Um, They it's basically and sleep apnea is uh, a condition that's on the rise and has Mm. been for a while. It is linked to obesity, but there Mm -hmm. are other risk factors. And if you've got a partner, it's usually male. uh, (laughs) A preponderance there that it's you know it's not going to get a good night's sleep. Anyway, the this is a business that has just knocked the lights out. Mm -hmm. They continually get twenty percent return on on their equity earnings per share. Dividends have been growing at very attractive rates for many 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 years. They did really well in COVID because um, uh, respirators uh, were were in in high demand. Um, Anyway. Anyway, they had their results out fairly recently, and I'm I'm, I'm just stalling for time while I try and got smashed. <laughs> Share price got get, smashed. Get the numbers here. There was uh, thirty uh, revenue, three dollars before results. Now down to twenty five dollars thirty. It's a decent fall. Twenty five percent. But so we we are talking about a business as he quickly clicks around <laughs> uh, a ten billion dollar now yeah. now after a twenty five percent fall is a ten billion dollar business. Uh, it was only at the start of the month that they reported uh, 
for the quarter, a 23% increase in revenue. For the full year, it was up 18%, hmm. uh, which was really nice. Uh, operating profit was up 14%. You know, operating cash flow, they made nearly $700 million just, just in, in cash on, on the operating line here. It's like, what's yeah. there? Yeah. What is wrong with this picture here, yeah. right? And um, the narrative, and actually, interesting enough, I believe this is becoming one of the more shorted stocks on the market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and by the way, they have a they have a rock solid balance sheet. You know, it's and big market opportunity, global leader. Blah 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 blah. Anyway, a lot of a lot of our listeners will be familiar with it. Mm-hmm. So what's going on? Well, what's going on is there's this new class of compound called uh, under the umbrella of GLC dash one. And you know, again, I'm not going to tell you what that acronym means. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a biochemist. And when you say new class of compound, we're talking about a drug, right? Or a, a treatment. Sorry. Sorry, a drug. Yep. And it's it's a weight loss drug. Right. And it's a bit of a wonder drug, it seems, in the okay. sense that it can re- – I mean, we, we know what we know. obesity is a, a, an increasing uh, problem, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in, in the West. And this looks as though it can really reverse that. And so the thesis here is – that, well, everyone's going to take this drug. Obesity is a thing of the past and therefore no one's going to have sleep apnea anymore. No one's going to need these continuous positive air pressure devices Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I don't want to uh, suggest too much what the future will hold because I don't know, maybe maybe that's the case. But I felt as though this is potentially a nice example of a business we're sort of getting at here long-term wonderful track record of very sensible capital allocation, shareholder wealth creation that has just been knocked for six on something that may arguably have an impact. But does it really warrant that like a quarter of its value is just evaporate, like literally billions of dollars evaporated in the space of a couple of weeks or a few weeks almost? Do you have any thoughts on, on this at all? Great question, mate. Um, I mean, there's thoughts on the approach and thoughts on the company. So- it's a recommendation of ours at Motley Fool Share Advisor, I, I will say, not to, well, here's a free stock pick for you, but also um, just to declare uh, a, a slight interest or at least a, an interest on behalf of our members. Um, so the, a couple of things, mate. The, the profits in 2014 were 32 cents a share. They're now 92 cents a share. Right. This is a company with really incredible growth. And I... Uh, I, I try and I try and play both sides of the street, or at least give both both sides of the coin, mate. So I'm going to start with the so Ozempic is one one uh, brand of, of drug that does this. G, GLP apparently, mate. I, I looked it up. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry, GLP I get it wrong. One. Okay, yeah, uh, it's close enough. Um, so <laughs> in one version of the future, these are the last days of Kodak. So we shouldn't never say, hey, really big new things. So I'm a massive Cochlear fan, for example, right? I think they've got a multi-decade growth runway. But I'm also very aware that gene therapy of some description could literally destroy Cochlear's market in a great way because it restores hearing without the need for implanted hearing devices, which would be yep. spectacularly a wonderful breakthrough. So mm-hmm. in one version of the future, this is ResMed's Kodak moment where they go, hey, we've got this great thing. It's like, well, there's a new technology and we're, we're taking over and you won't need it anymore. So that's that's absolutely possible. The The other side of the story is if I had a dollar for every weight loss wonder drug that had been ever invented or found, then I'd be a squillionaire. Uh, and it, it's also you know very, very possible that this is important as a drug, but doesn't take away ResMed's business. And so I think that's the combination or, of- or- 
or that it is, but it's sort of like, again, just back to some first principles here. Mm-hmm. Value, theoretically at least, valuation is is the uh, a construct of all the future cash flows of a business. Correct. So maybe after 10 years, it does start to really weigh into right. things here, but, exactly. but it doesn't, I mean, it's not going to make any difference this quarter. You know, certainly it it will, even if it does have an impact, it will take time for it to be a measurable impact. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like there's, there's, there's a, there's a plenty of situations. The the, the classic example I always go to here is that they stopped distributing the yellow pages in 2016 or 2017. Right. Exactly. Right. Now you could have said with a hundred percent certainty in 2001, (laughs) the yellow pages is dead. It was like, and you're right. You were right. Actually, you're not right yet because there's still a website. (laughs) That's Who's right. paying for an ad on anyway? Someone is. People are, and 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 you. Mm-hmm. So you can be right about the future, and yet still, there's 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 plenty of hay to be made while the sun is out, right? For a lot of these companies. So anyway, I just I interjected there. No, it's great. So so well, that, and that's exactly the point I was going to make, which is you don't have to know for sure what the future looks like. Now you could simply say as an investor, I don't want to take that risk, and that's fine. Uh, but you know the other thing is, by the way, three years before Kodak was destroyed, it probably looked fine as well. But you didn't know it was coming, so you kind of got these this combination of, and I guess what I'm trying to paint, mate, is a is a picture of inherent uncertainty. Well, but- can, can, and I'll just add to that quickly. If if you don't like that, what the way we're laying it out for ResMed, mm-hmm. can you let me know of a company that doesn't face Correct. some unknown unknown existential risk? I mean, literally every single company on the planet, I would argue, yeah, with different degrees of probability, but that's yeah. that's business, right? And that's that was exactly going to be my point because oh, sorry, mate, no, no, it's, it's perfect, mate. You, you did about I was going to do it because if you think about the way that these things move over time right if you think about the way that you need to it's probabilistic by definition Woolworths could be destroyed by Amazon in three years time in one version of the world right Amazon launches four hour delivery to every every metropolitan uh, center in Australia they promise to sell things 10% cheaper than Woolies or Coles while they eat, eat their margin while those businesses are destroyed it could happen tomorrow mm-hmm. is it going to probably not uh, a great business we've talked about many times near map uh, there was oh, always yeah. the well what if what if Google launches a service that does that thing well, yeah, but what if it doesn't? And I think that's... So So investing is probabilistic. And I think that's the other thing you need to be mindful of is just because... We, humans are always... You know, we feel fear more than greed and, and, or the, 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 pain of, the pain of loss far more than the joy of gain. About three times as much according to most psychologists. And so it's one of those things of like, you know... And well, the stock market, we talked before about this, right? Every time we talk about the, the, the benefit of investing in stock market, someone says, what about Japan? So okay, yes, fair point. There was one instance that you can recall in the last 40 years <laughs> where investing at stupidly high prices wasn't the best idea. Every other developed market, almost every other time in history, you know, it, it is literally the exception that proves the rule. Now, if you're the sort of person, we've talked about this before, if you're the sort of person who looks at that and goes, well, it could be another Japan, so I better not do it. It's like, that's fine. You can, you can make that choice. It's completely fine. Just realize you are giving up the chance that actually, maybe it's not Japan. And it's probably not Japan. And so thinking about how that might impact you as an investor is really, really important. And I say that because I think it's the right lens for almost you know any investor. You have to know yourself, and we've said a million times, if you, you know, sleep at night, test all that kind of stuff. But just try and think about the range of outcomes and the probability of those outcomes. If I jump in my car after this podcast, Ram, there is a chance I get hit by a drunk driver and killed. 
Oh, I hope that doesn't happen for everyone's sake. Well, you'll probably have a couple of hours in your week back, mate, and maybe a listener will be happy to hear someone else on the podcast. But assuming those two things don't happen, um, uh, you know, so, so I shouldn't drive just in case that happens. What about the guy who got killed last week? Yeah, what about the ones who didn't? And it's just really, it's a really important, I call it framing in psychology. It's really important to understand the way you're thinking about these things. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. So back to the ResMed, long, long way back to the, the question you asked, mate. You, ha- you can sell these shares every single day of the week from now until eternity, assuming the market's open that long. Uh, and at some point when this new class of drug actually takes sales away from ResMed, you can sell your shares. I'm a long-term buy-to-hold investor. I've said a million times that's what I plan to do. But if you know, if I look at a business that's listing badly, I'm like, well, that didn't work out the way I thought it was. I'll sell my shares and go put the money somewhere else. I don't mean that to sound flippant because I'll probably have a loss. If I'm at ResMed today and in three years' time, it's losing sales because of this new drug, I am going to lose money on that investment. Absolutely. But what if I don't? What if, they, mm. what if sales don't? I just said profits have tripled in the last 10 years. Okay, so you got that on one hand. And anytime, by the way, speaking of ResMed, mate, remember you, um, you mentioned a company off air, actually, Somnomed. Oh, another yeah. sleep, a sleep apnea treatment. Very different. Uh, using a, a mouth guardy type thing rather than, rather than a, a device. Changes, changes the position of your jaw. And people for years have been saying to me, well, ResMed's going to get destroyed when Somnomed has this new thing. It's like, yeah, it might. And it's it's a really hard one. Like I don't want to I don't want to sit here and say obviously I know Resmed's okay, or there was never a chance Somnomed took its business away, or Ozempic or those new GLP drugs don't do the same thing. I, I just think it's one of those things where you have to understand the risk. Every single recommendation we make at the Motley Fool, we have a section called risks and when we sell, mm. which is no investment is risk free. There are things that might go wrong, and if they go wrong, a we know they might go wrong. B here's what we're going to do about it. And that's yep. literally as hard or as easy as it needs to be. I know that sounds uh, uh, kind of sounds a bit flippant, but it's there is no risk-free investment. You have to say, all right, I'm going to, on the basis that I expect, I'll do better than not. Here's the other thing, by the way, just quickly. ResMed's growth hasn't been because uh, they've tripled profits in three years, not because there was some drug that disappeared over that three of that ten-year period. They found better ways to treat more people and make more money in the process. So let's say the other, the other option is, by the way, this drug does happen and it takes away 25% of their potential market. But they grow in other markets and they have other devices and they charge more for their products and they give better solutions. And so maybe they grow as well as this thing happening. I think it's a real mistake to frame this as potentially necessarily binary. It was for Kodak. I've said that. So, you know, let's be really clear. The horse and buggy guys, absolutely a problem. For others, that growth of one market participant doesn't mean, you know, we've talked about flights a million times. The internet was supposed to destroy a flight center every year from 1995. They are going to next year sell more tickets than they did in 2019, and that's a lot more than they sold in 1995. So, you know, will the internet continue to impact on flight center's growth potential? Yes. Did it destroy flight center's business? No. Is flight center bigger? Yeah. And so those things can also be true and can can, uh, exist side by side. Yeah, I think, and it's a couple things I'd add there is like, it's not. If you're wrong, you're going to be wrong. Like a yeah, lot exactly. of the time, a lot. Well, just always me, but other people. Yeah, like I'll, I'll put my hand up like <laughs> a lot, right? 
And it's always a gotcha. I mean, every now oh, and again, yeah. you get, especially if you do this in the public domain. Like, oh, I remember when you said that. I'm like, yeah, well. I got it wrong. You know, yep. I'll give you your money back, mate. Yep. Like, yep. oh, that's right. You didn't pay anything for it. So, <laughs> um, uh, it just, it, it, but, it, but it's sort of like, again, point yep. point me to an investor who hasn't made a mistake. Oh, I mean, God, yeah. Buffett makes a bunch of them. He talks about mm-hmm. them a lot. In fact, yep. I talk about, talk about wonderful signs that I look for. Whenever you speak to an investor, or a CEO that that really get on the front foot of their mistakes. I just love it. I love mm-hmm. it so much yeah. because it, and they own it because it's mm-hmm. sort of like, well, of course you're human and, and the rest of it. So yeah, that 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 is that is going to happen. Um, uh, what else I want to say? Oh, Cochlear, you mentioned before. I may have mentioned this on the pod before, but I, I'm old enough and you are old enough to remember <laughs> back in 2011 they had this big product recall. Mm, correct. Nick, do you remember that? And I do. and now you're considering having someone cut your head open yeah, that's right. right and put yeah, something in yeah, there yeah. and they've just said oh there's something wrong with this you know now yeah. what happened to the company well actually a 68 percent drop in net profit that year mm-hmm. everyone scrambled over themselves to so sell 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 this is terrible existential existential and 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 you again you have these situations where maybe this is the the parallel with resmed where it's like Let's be real. Maybe mm. these class of new drug or other drugs that we don't yet know about actually do radically alter or or have a negative impact on the business. Absolutely. But is the share price reaction sensible with that? In the case of Cochlear, in 2011, shares dropped 40%. That's a big drop for a very large company. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, it's just like it's a manufacturer. Every manufacturer has product recalls from time to time. They still maintain the best in class. Oh, the other the other thing was um, China's going to create a ripoff. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah. And yeah. I'll, I'll do a victory lap here because I remember saying at the time, it was like, so again, you're going to have your head or your child's head mm-hmm. sliced open. Mm-hmm. And someone says, here's cochlea. Decade plus of, you know, best in breed, you know, um, uh, technology, recommended by all the top surgeons around the world. Oh, but you can save 30%. Here's like a cheap knockoff from China. What do you want to put in little Jimmy's head? Correct, like, correct. I think I'm going to go for the, uh, I think I'm going to mm-hmm. go for the cochlear device. Thanks all I'm the same. That one. Exactly. You know, and, and, and I, I, I suspect that we have some parallels here. Now, please, please don't run out and do anything based mm-hmm. on that because mm-hmm. what, what you also know in these situations is that you say all this stuff and then it goes down another 30%. And it's actually like, you know, four years before you can actually claim that, oh, it, it actually was a good time to buy. Things look really <laughs> yeah, right. dark and darkest before the dawn. Let me mm-hmm. add as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, right. And the, the observation I was going to make too is just with the Nikkei, uh, the, the Japanese mm-hmm. index there is what a dog's breakfast, you know, like it's just big property bubble there, all kinds of things that went crazy in, in the Japanese economy there for a little while. Still in the last 10 years, you've, you've compounded at 10% per year if you had invested yeah. in Japan, you know, despite all their problems. So yep. Yep. there's, this is another lesson on, um, and that's not being, I mean, that's a little spurious because you can just sort of cherry pick the data and say, yeah. well, yeah. you know, maybe if, what if I invested at this time? And that, but the point is, is just like there's the asset, the thing that you're taking exposure to mm-hmm. and that there's a price that you're paying. Yep. And and I guess my point is just to bring it full circle, ResMed in my view is a very high quality company. This is probably not great news for them, but I'd be very skeptical of it being in any way existential. Yep. Um, and if and it is, you'll have plenty of time because you'll see it coming. Yeah, so, um, you know, if, if sales yeah. sort of fall off a cliff fifteen percent next year, I'm probably going to say, yeah, you know what? That feels pretty concerning. 
Yep. If it's someone else's growth isn't quite as high as we'd like, so okay, well, maybe I've got to reassess my value assumptions. Uh, or it might be actually sales continue to grow because they found new... By the way, obesity is probably going to grow at a faster rate than their ability to treat with drugs, right? Like it's, I you know, suspect so, yeah. It's, it's, and, it's and, that's, and that's really the lesson. So, so you yeah. can imagine us having this conversation. It's 2011. We're yeah. saying, oh, people are overreacting. Shares yeah, in Cochlear right. are $60. $60, you know, mm-hmm. a little while mm-hmm. ago, they were 80. They've dropped down a quarter. Like, And here we are sort of saying, oh, I think the market's overreacting. Now, the reality of... You know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and you know mm-hmm. now shares are like close to three hundred bucks. So it was an incredible yep. investment, uh, even if you even if you bought the day before the, the recall was announced. But the reality of it is, is that from sixty dollars, you watched it drop down to forty five odd dollars. So you lost another quarter, another twenty five percent. And not only that, yeah. it took a good eighteen months, I want to say, before you were back in break break even mm. you had a little little run there and then and then it went back down again <laughs> and so it's really it it took until the middle of 2014 before you were sustainably in the black in your on your shares right yeah, and so again it's easy on a chart you look at that and go <laughs> oh if only i yeah you don't, you don't always, feel you don't feel a daily 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 like i'm still down i'm still down i'm still down the market tells me wrong market tells me, you know it's easy to look back and go oh that was a year and a half so that was a long year. And That's a, half. a long year and a half, man. That or three years, as the case may yeah, be. Right, it's just right, like you right. know, here you are, two and a half years later, going, yeah. oh, "I remember where those idiots were talking about yeah. this," and it's just, <laughs> That's right. you know, I, I yeah. wish, I wish yeah. we could all just sort of like pick these tops and bottoms and and yeah. and the rest of it. But but anyway, I think I think the the, the point is is well made, and mm. again, long may these things continue. As long as, as long as we remember to not let the market tell us what to think, but rather uh, offer us these some opportunities from time to time. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And again, you know, if by the way, just quickly, if you're if you're listening and you're like, I don't want to do that. That's cool. Don't do it. By any please don't do it. My God, do, yeah. do your thing. Like, and not about resume, just in general. You know, if you're yeah. if you're not geared to do this and, and do it with confidence and and whatever, um, by all means do it. I had someone who um, I, I won't mention their name because they it's not a mailbag question, but they messaged me last night on Facebook and said, look. I've just heard Warren Buffett sold eight billion dollars worth of shares. Uh, what's he preparing for? Is a recession coming? You know, should should I kind of be worried? Um, and and it's a really perfectly good question. With the headlines, the headline writers need to slap it, you know, the side of the head, honestly. But they're trying uh, to Buffett's, they're trying to get clicks. They're not right. But Buffett yeah. sold eight billion dollars worth of shares. What's he know that we don't know? What's he preparing for? And it's, you know, it, and the thing is that fear. If Buffett had bought eight billion dollars worth of shares, there wouldn't be the headlines, and I wouldn't get messages from people saying he's bought shares. Should I? Go, you know, should be increasing my exposure to shares. And it's not that the, anyone who thinks that is wrong and the person who, who messaged me on Facebook isn't wrong to worry about it. It's the human response. And so in this case, I said, look, I don't know what's happening next. What I do know is that $8 billion represents about 5% of the Berkshire's cash and about 1% of the market cap. So if Buffett's preparing for something, he's doing it very, very badly. You know, if, if he's leaving 99% of his business alone and saying, with this 1%, I'm going to you know, position myself for the coming crash. There, there might be a coming crash for all I know. And frankly, Buffett could. No, there that. is. There is definitely right? a recession and there is definitely a scare market, a share market crash in the future. Like, right. I'll, bet, I'll bet my firstborn on that. We just don't know when and by how much. I don't know. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So you know, it's just it's just I get people saying this is just too scary. I don't like it. Cool, but buy dollar cost average on an ETF or a couple of ETFs and, and go fishing seriously, and yeah. just just let just let the Vanguard chart you know sell. No, you'll be fine. Win. So you'll not everyone fine. has to buy buy shares, but most people listening to this want to and, and choose to and can, and that's great. We love it. Uh, just just do it in a way that that makes makes sense for you and and makes sense for your mentality and, and approach. Because as I've said many many times, the worst thing you can do probably. 
almost entirely other than other than just you know i don't know gambling it away is is buying shares because you think you're the right person to do it and when the shares drop 40 percent, you say this is stupid i'm never doing this again i'm selling out I'm never going back in the market mm. crystallizing a loss on a short-term freak out is about the most damaging thing you can do financially within you know reasonable realms of not doing anything completely stupid um but you know like in terms of you know trying to invest properly and just scaring yourself out of it that's the painful bit that's when people really struggle and end up doing themselves a, a damage so you know just if it's if it's not you that's cool if you might it might be you maybe over some etfs then grab some individual shares and kind of ease yourself into it there's there's ways of getting there you don't have to be full-on andrew and i are doing things differently you don't have to do that uh, just just have a think about what what makes most sense for you yep yep can i uh, can yeah. i can i very quickly this Please. is uh, without notice but uh, oh, we, we're, talk, we're talking about sort Go of on. Uh, big reactions and <laughs> yeah. results and the rest of it. Another yeah. one that just caught my eye, I won't yeah. spend much time on it, but I have to mention it, is um, <laughs> the ASX itself is, a listed, oh. is, on, is listed on the yeah. ASX, yeah. right? Um, they're, a, they're a giant, right? Like they, yeah. they do a billion dollars in, in operating revenue. And a couple of things that I just want to like poke a stick at here. <laughs> Talk about capital allocators, right? And the skill mm-hmm. that comes with that. These knuckleheads um, spent $174 oh, million. Dollars the company, ex- not, not the individual people, so don't please sue us. Go on. I didn't name, I didn't name a person, but okay, you know, um, the knuckleheads, yes. plural, uh, yes. key decision makers, whoever. Company. Yes, yes, yes. Go on. Spent $174 million exploring a blockchain-based <laughs> oh, chess registry system. I swear now, to God. Can I, can I now, just quickly put my hand up and say that was always a stupid idea I said so at the time, but keep going. I have seventy four million dollars. I'll I'll be gen- I'll be a little bit more generous, and I'll say I remember back in the day it was just like well, this looks interesting, right? Like there's potential here, so I don't I don't begrudge <laughs> or or call yeah. fault in exploring that potential. Yes, but you could have paid me two million dollars. <laughs> And I could have spent a few months doing some research for you and then said, this yeah. is not going to work. This doesn't work. It, yeah, for some really sound. Re- so it's oh. not that they tried. It's that, yeah. that they threw that much money at it yeah. and that many, much time before they gave up. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So <laughs> that, that, that is what's, that's the egregious part of that here. It's like someone, some consulting company just made a fortune out of that and i think well done well done to you the other comment i just make about the asx is that um i've always been interested in it as an investment because you know what i like investing in monopolies and monopolies are great here's a here's a a good rule of thumb to spot a monopoly look at the net profit margin that is what is the margin on revenue after costs, yeah. not not EBITDA, where we're excluding depreciation and amortization, and let's not factor in tax, and don't worry about that, you know, mm-hmm. annoying little thing called interest on our debt. I mean, everything has been paid for, mm. absolutely everything. These guys, <laughs> on an underlying basis, will strip off this. This well, that's a secondary point. So, so, so the underlying net margin here is forty nine percent. Extraordinary. They keep they keep forty nine cents in every dollar of revenue they get. They pay all their Let expenses, their taxes, everything else, and they have they have forty nine cents left over. It's a pretty good. Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm, there may be examples of higher ones on the ASX. I yeah. 
I'm not aware of them. That is, that is insane. I've a couple of software companies maybe, but yes. For, for, and, and particularly for a company that big. I don't, I, don't, I don't know you get a business that big with that sort of net margin, but again, I could be wrong too. I mean, Woolies is a very different business, but it's yeah. on 6%, right? Yeah, that's right? Like a really and, good and, software and business hashtag, might be Hashtag 20, profiteering 20. allegedly, which is a whole different rant I won't do. Well, now. you know, yeah. and it, like, so you just kind of think, <laughs> wow, you can afford to blow up 174 yeah. million, can't you, well. right? So <laughs> the, the other thing that was interesting is why it's noteworthy is that you'll see a lot of this. So I just used the term underlying NPAT. The statutory NPAT, net profit after tax, is $317 million. Mm. If we exclude this non-cash write-down of $174 million, yeah. uh, it, it, the, the, the net profit was $491 million. Mm. So be aware. Look, in some cases, you think, well, actually, I really just want to know what does is, what is the, the true economics look like? They made a mistake and this is what it would otherwise be. There is some value in that. But again, with the reporting season sort of happening mm. at the moment and people looking through results just you know nothing wrong with looking at the underlying numbers but just make sure you're you're happy with what has been stripped out and what hasn't been stripped out um i would i really sticks in my craw when they call these things non-cash i mean <laughs> there's maybe not in that period but money was spent mm-hmm. <laughs> and money was lost that's, well, that's um, the other thing, right sometimes you can write down something that's you know an asset you bought and the order is no longer worth that but you're still making money from it so if you buy a newspaper you get you get the brand's worth something the order yep. so you have to write it and you go okay well I still think it's worth it. The auditors don't. That's okay. This is yep. literally where they said, we spent $175 million over the last few years. We pretended it was an asset because we were building a blockchain solution. They capitalized it on the balance sheet. Right. And then you write yep. it down. You say, actually, all that money was wasted. So in the in the three, and that's this is real money, right? Because it's not, yeah. it's not a cash write down now, but it's cash you spent in years gone where you pretended it wasn't an expense because yep. you're swapping cash for another asset. If I buy a, if I buy a, a gold bar, Right, the asset goes from cash to the gold bar. Uh, it's not an expense. I, I'm buying an asset. I'm swapping one asset for the other. When you when you capitalize a project, when you say I am going to take the cash and buy while I'm building, effectively buying this business I'm building, that's taking one asset to another asset. Therefore, during those three years, I'm going to make up three. I don't know how many years it was. Those three years, I didn't actually have any expenses. I was building the asset. Then you write, I say, oh, it was non-cash write down. No, that's actually real cash. You, you, did, you pretended it wasn't an expense for years and now you're pretending it's not cash. The cash went out over those three years. You built something that was a complete waste of time or you invested in something or you tried to build something and you wasted all of that money. That's absolutely, not, not cash in the current year, but you've absolutely torched shareholders' money. You literally took it out into the middle of the playground and set the whole thing on fire. Unbelievable. And, and so just while I'm putting the boot into the ASX here... <laughs> Uh, I mean, this is the trouble with a monopoly. You do get bloated. You do get lazy. And like, so the fact that they can still basically keep 50 cents of every dollar yeah, of revenue is that, amazing. Right. Is yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But but the return on equity is about 13%. So they're mm. just that, that's just the net. What's the profit as a percentage of their net assets? You know, how efficient is the company at sort of making money with the, the assets mm-hmm. it has at its disposal, mm-hmm. the, the, the net capital? And and that's, I mean, 13% is not, nothing to sneeze at. Um but it's not great in that context. Mm. Here's the other thing. So I'm just going, I'm looking at Comsec here. It only goes back to 2015 here. The dividends in the last one, two, three, eight years have grown at about 2.3% per annum. Oh, sorry. Right. Two, sorry. Two and a half percent per annum. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I, I really struggle to wrap my brain around how how ordinary those returns are. And the share price, I don't think, has done much better uh, over that period, given the privileged position that, mm-hmm. that you enjoy. 
And and I know, and this is my little rant here, because I know I have to deal with these guys because if you want data, if you want share prices, <laughs> right? They say, oh yeah, now, no problem. Now we're getting the nub of it. Now we're getting the nub of it. <laughs> like, so it's a public market, right? So in the US, yeah. it costs cents. You know, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. In Australia, it's like, oh yeah, you, you, we won't. You need to go find a third party who'll mm. give you the. We sell it to them for a fortune, and they will on sell it to you for a margin. So we're not really involved in your relationship, but you do need a license, and that's going to cost you tens of thousands a year. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, can we have can we have ASX announcements? That'd be a really cool feature for our website. Lots of people out there trying to build cool stuff. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yep, uh, it's a twenty five thousand dollar a year license, and then you've got to go source there, it over. There's here. your, like, your forty nine percent margin, by the way, dude, right there. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's just like I find it. So so egregious for a public yeah. market. They're like, I'm not begrudging you for making money, but that is rent seeking mm-hmm. 101. And yeah, anyway, I will stop there. <laughs> it's uh, so I'm, not I'm a gonna, fan. I'm going to I'm going to take a slightly different tangent, mate. But on your on your topic, which is just to say that I want to I want investors to think about what you're getting when you're buying some of these businesses. Yeah. I know a lot of people who say, but it's a monopoly and it won't be taken away and it's really safe, secure earnings and profitability and that's great and that's fine and and that's probably all true. That being said, by the way, I've got a different thought about monopolies in a second, but um, it doesn't mean you're going to get great returns from this business. No, no downside is great as long as you're paying a reasonable price for that and as long as you're getting what you think you're getting. So when you we talk regularly about the share market gaining about 9% a year, give or take, over time. That comes with risk, but you're getting the upside. Now, if you want that, you've got to take some risk to get it. The flip side, you say to about ASX or frankly, Woolies or something else. Hey, this is a bit, it's a bulletproof business. Okay, fine. But it's so highly valued and there's no growth left because hmm. the ASX owns the market. Woolies has a massive market share with Coles you know, there's only so much left they can it's actually It's an excellent grow. point. It's an so excellent you're, you're point. So you're saying, yeah. I'm, you know, and that's fine. So I love monopoly businesses too, but you have to be mindful of when, once they have that monopoly, what growth is left and what price am I paying for that? Yes, you're getting limited downside. That's great. Really great. Knock yourselves out. But <laughs> if that's if that's all you want, go to cash. Cash got no downside either. Now you talk about yeah. inflation and stuff, but you mentioned the, sure. the 2%, you know, two percent dividend yield or two percent dividend growth uh, over time—that probably trailed inflation over that period of time, or maybe just kept up. Um, you know, just be just be mindful again. If you own ASX shares, I'm not necessarily saying you should sell them, although I wouldn't own them. Uh, but just just be mindful about what you're getting for the money you're putting down. Don't just look at the downside projection and say, "Oh, thank goodness, like there's no downside." So, well, there's no upside either. What's the benefit, right? Yeah, I'd rather have something with some downside risk, but much more upside risk. That's the probability stuff we started talking about. Uh, which I think is a really, really important thing to to really think about. I I I think it's actually an important thing to think about for management. Yeah, I, I think you 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 need to have a very hard look in the mirror and just reckon. There's not. There's by the way, there is nothing wrong with very slow growth, mm. right? Because what, what where where these companies tend to do a huge disservice to investors is through the ego and empire building aspirations of of management and the board mm-hmm. it's like no 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 we're not going to grow we're already, we already own yeah, the yeah. market yeah right i know people will point to chi x as an up like mm, they've, they've not done anything to really dent it i would say um and see that's cool so you know what we're going to do we're going to run this thing as lean as we can and we're going to gush yeah. cash and we're going to pay tax on that and we're going to distribute what's left over to you with a whole bunch of juicy franking credits. It's not going to grow much, 
but man, you're going to get a very, very sizable dividend yep. yield. We're Sometimes in no business, when- so take, take what, here's what we can give you. Knock yourselves out. Yep. Look, it's, it's, it's either that or it's still going to be a low growth business, but we're going to piss it up the wall on blockchain technology or something. <laughs> you know? like, that. Exactly. It's just, it's just, it, it, um, it never happens. I think a lot of value investors get undone. I've been undone in the past with it where you go, wait a second, if they just did this, 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 and this, and <laughs> even if they go out of business in five years, yeah. you know, my discounted future, fa- oh, wow, this is not in the price. I'm going to make a fortune, right? I can buy it and then be worth zero in, in five years' time, but I'm, mm-hmm. the dividend, I'm going to get, you know, equivalent of a 30% return each year in dividends and franking credits. This is, this is, the, this is the most brilliant investment ever. Yep. But, but it relies on management going, yep, we're going to manage our way slowly <laughs> out do it of properly. a job. Exactly. Yeah, exactly <laughs> and right. they're not going to do it. They're never going to do it. And, and that's Well, that's a, kind f- of like- a very few will, but, yes, but don't expect yes. it most will. And that's the, that's the mistake many people make. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Anyway, so I, I didn't mean to take us on a tangent with the ASX, but it's just, it is, it is <laughs> gobsmacking a couple net margins, the wasted money, the really lackluster growth. And, mm-hmm. and anyway, it's, I, I would actually love to, at some point when the markets go um, down properly, mm. um, <laughs> they, they, their share price will be hit. But they, they, they are, despite all of the problems, they're not going anywhere, right? Exactly. So it'd, it'd be something at the right price I'd be very interested in. I like it. Mate, that's all we have time for today. Will you come back on Sunday? Yeah, looking forward to it. got some good questions. We have have got some excellent questions. By the way, if you want to throw more questions in, we just talked about the fact that earnings season is finished. So now's a great time to give us something to talk about. Well, we never struggle anyway, but uh, hit us up with all the socials. We'll share those on Sunday. Until then, until Sunday morning, enjoy the rest of your weekend and full on. Yeah, cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.